The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, I always preach prioritize your overnights, but if it's a, a once-off every here and there where you're drinking, it's almost the other way around of just making sure you stay above a low blood sugar. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Insulone Podcast. You already know that. Me and Graham were chatting, chatting about two minutes ago, just before we pressed record. And he goes, I have a story to tell you, or I have a question to ask you, but I don't think I should ask you now. I should wait until we're recording. So I'm very, uh, I'm very curious, Graham. Go on. What, what is it? Okay. So I work in radio and we have a new boss. And he's come from the UK. Very powerful man. And you know when a new boss comes in, you want to impress him. (laughs) And one of my colleagues was in there while he was eating there last week. And I would just say, oh, how did your meeting go with them? He goes, yeah, he was having um, a breakfast bap while he was chatting to me. And it was so strange. While he was eating, he just started injecting himself. And I go, (gasps) he's a diabetic. He's a diabetic. And he goes, no way. How, he goes, how do you know? I go, well, is he the diabetic or he's taking heroin? And I doubt <laughs> he's taking heroin. Yeah. So we were in a group meeting and I obviously don't want to bring it up in front of him. Like, oh, hey, look at me. I obviously just want to slip a natural conversation. Haven't done it yet. But I don't want to also have the knowledge that I know he injects himself while he's eating because it looks like people are talking about it. But he lifted up his arm the last day and he had something on the back of his arm around the tricep area. Now, it wasn't a Dexcom. It was a kind of a small white circular thing. It, what is that? I presume that's, that's a freestyle a Libra. Freestyle Libra. I was thinking, yeah, thinking yeah. of the name. So next time I'm just chatting to him one on one, I'll spot I go, is that a freestyle Libra you got there? <laughs> and he goes, he'll go, are you diabetic? And I'll go, no, I'm just... I just know about these things. And I presume a, diabe- uh, a diabetic will be impressed with the non-diabetic knowing all this stuff. Of course, 100%. So, got very and excited even, when I heard he was a diabetic. Yeah, that's hilarious. But as well, you can now be 
probably the first non-diabetic that he will speak to in his whole life that will know what they're talking about without the does that mean you ate too much sugar as a child or you don't look diabetic yeah oh yeah the usual the usual so that was my my bit of news i got very excited because i still have to have my one-on-one with them and i'm going on holidays next week but i think it'll be the week afterwards so I'll just kind so of you haven't like, spoken to him at all about it? No, we, not about diabetes. We've spoken in the kitchen about football and where he's come from. We've spoken in group meetings with our with our breakfast show and meetings. But mm. we have to. Everyone has to have a one on one just so he can get to know you. But little does he know, I'll be getting to know him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you can recommend the podcast. He'll probably know about the podcast. <laughs> he's probably listening Hopefully. right now. There you oh, go. He sits outside my office. James, mystery. Uh, what is he? A, a new client in work? Uh, no, he's what? my new boss. Oh, he's the, oh, it's oh, he's I, over I, all the radio real. stations within my group. So it'll be up to him in the future whether I get a promotion or whether I get sacked. There so, you go. So I'm your boss on the podcast. Here uh, and your and your boss is diabetic. <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> What's your A1C? What's your time and range for the last week? You are doing yeah, that's all right. Hilarious. Yeah? Remember the Jeez. three A's. Remember the go. three A's. Imagine if you did listen. That'd be hilarious. Could be listening right now. Um, good morning, afternoon, or evening, boss. Yeah, you um, need just to give me a tap on the. Sh- just give me a tap on the shoulder next time. Just a little tap on the left shoulder to let me know that you're listening. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> just a little nod. I'll go. Ah, oh, oh, boy, Mister New Boss. <laughs> right. Will we uh, get into some emails, Owen? Yeah. Please. Actually, no, I just want to touch on something first. What do you have? How good was Alan's episode last week? Oh, and what a gentleman too. What a gent. So funny because when I was listening to right at the end, the outro, when you were by yourself, uh, you were saying he lives down the road from you. So he lives outside of Bray. Mm. Lives in Shankill. That's so mad, isn't it? But I was chatting to him for a while afterwards and before. What a nice guy. Absolute gentleman and super laser focused, which is unreal. Um, But I just thought of that there because he had mentioned, remember he was saying like with the adrenaline and and kind of high intensity games, he sees his blood sugar spike sometimes Mm -hmm. and he needs to train or kind of come up with the strategies before that and during it so that he can manage it the best he can. Um, one of the days this week, I can't remember when it was, but I ended up going to the gym with a client because she lives in Bray. So I went for like an in-person session with her and it was the first time that she had kind of tried to use heavier weight in the gym with resistance training. Now she had been in the gym before, but because I was there, she was kind of more confident moving up a bit more weight, that kind of thing. But the, I'd say about 10 minutes in, her blood sugar, boom, up to 14. Wow. Because she was working with that heavier weight. Before the gyms had closed, she was doing home workouts and stuff and killing her home workouts. Like she has dumbbells and barbells and stuff at home. So I was doing a lot. So similar enough movement, similar enough exercises, but it just goes to show you that when she was then in the gym, increasing the weight, it can have such a an immediate impact on your bloods. Yeah. I know Ashley's probably listening, so special shout out to her. She, in 11 months, less than a year, 
got her A1C from 125 down to 52, which is like unbelievable. So, wow. Good work, Ashley. Well done. That's serious dedication. <laughs> but anyway, well on. yeah, unbelievable. But anyway, let's get into those emails. Yeah, let's start off with. Um, it's actually one of our most popular episodes we've done. We've talked about alcohol and diabetes before. And Janine wants to talk about drinking with diabetes too. And Janine says, hey, I am a 29-year-old type 1 diabetic and have been living with it since I was nine years old. I listen to your podcast about diabetes and alcohol because I feel like I used to be able to drink with alcohol, but now I can't, which totally stinks when you're out socializing and having dinner with friends. I was just like you and never let diabetes stop me from going out with my friends drinking. This was only a year ago. I love a simple tequila with seltzer or a glass or two of red wine or a Bloody Mary. You're a big fan of the old tequila, Owen. I absolutely love tequila. Mezcal. Casamigos Mezcal. 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 Oh, unreal. The part of the podcast when you said that you used to be able to go out drinking and eat foods like pizza when you got home and would wake up completely fine used to be my case. I used to always order Taco Bell eat it without insulin and then go to sleep side note what have you ever had taco bell in your time in the states i yeah yeah i, I actually i think i got it once I never and had it was it. horrible so <laughs> <laughs> it must have been i think it was probably a bad a bad meal or a, a bad uh <laughs> one of the bad owners stressing in case awful. Taco Bell want to sponsor the podcast <laughs> yeah. I'm, here, I'm here backtracking I love Taco Bell no it was really nice it was only messy <laughs> uh, now I feel like sometimes when I drink alcohol my blood sugar rises throughout the night and doesn't come back down on its own when it used to the past few times it went out to have a drink or two of just tequila or wine I would find myself spiking I will then freak myself out trying to decide if I need a correction or not. The past few times I need a correction before bed. However, I get so scared to take insulin because of the plummeting load that alcohol can cause to happen. However, I also do not want to stay high throughout the night. Do you recommend giving corrections or half corrections when high, while drinking or day drinking? Lastly, I'm still unsure how to handle drinking and eating during the day. I never know if I should do a full bolus for the meal or maybe only half. I know obviously that if I don't give any insulin at all for the meals, I will spike through the roof. I feel like I forgot how to drink with diabetes and obviously love myself a good time out with friends. I don't want to stop drinking totally, which I find myself doing just because I don't want to deal with the stress that it recently has caused me. I appreciate your feedback on this. Thank you. And that is from Janine. Thank you, Janine. A lot of detail on that one. And I'm glad to hear that she likes her tequila. I'm a bit, I'm a big fan of tequila. So thanks for getting in touch. I always appreciate people taking the time to, first of all, listen to the podcast and then get in touch. So with that, there's a lot in it. Mm. And even drinking alcohol at all with diabetes can be very tricky, very difficult, and sometimes daunting and intimidating. For anyone listening who has drank alcohol or is maybe drinking alcohol right now, they they know that it can be pretty unpredictable. But in this case, because she's sticking to tequila and a, was it like a soda water she said and lime or wine? Uh, tequila with seltzer or a glass or two of red wine or a Bloody Mary as well. Wouldn't be a fan of Bloody Marys, not at all. What's in a Bloody Mary? Um, it's like vodka, tomato juice, pepper. Oh no. Lemon juice. Oh no, no, no. Thank yeah, you. it's like 
Yeah, no, no not a fan. No, no, no tomatoes, please. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that she's probably making that conscious decision of sticking to tequila and a seltzer or a wine is first of all a good choice because a lot of the time alcohol can cause us issues because of what we're deciding to drink. So for example, if I'm drinking cocktails all night, it's going to be very, very different to me drinking straight tequila all night. So the first thing to do is look at what you're drinking. So Janine is obviously making a good choice in that sense. And it seems as if she's kind of changed a lot in terms of how her body responds to food and drink over the years. And I have been exactly the same. So she even pointed out that when I went through detail of previous nights out I've had, and you can probably remember this over the years, Graham, of going out, drinking whatever, like still still looking after it, obviously. Yeah. But I would be able to have a Chinese or a pizza without any insulin and then wake up level the next morning. Now, that's obviously down to the fact that excess alcohol can cause your blood sugar to plummet. And that's what Janine said in this email. So if you're counteracting that plummet with food and no insulin, they can hopefully balance themselves out. Now, that's what had worked for me. Doesn't really work for me anymore. Didn't really work for me in New York. Uh, It seemed to have changed around slightly. But our priority while drinking is always to avoid low blood sugar, particularly when we go to bed, because after a night of drinking, as I said, your bloods can plummet. And she's obviously noticed that herself. So in terms of kind of seeing that spike with the earlier drinks and then continuing to stay high, I would be of the standpoint to to almost hold off on the insulin there. I hate high blood sugars. I really, really, really don't like my blood's high. I always try and avoid that at all costs, kind of just day to day. But when it comes to drinking and that risk of plummeting through the night, I would be more comfortable. I'd be more confident holding off on taking a correction before I go to bed. Because let's say, for example, I go to bed after a night of drinking and my blood sugar is 10. It's not overly high, but it's higher than I would like. I personally would feel more comfortable going to bed with that 10, knowing that I had alcohol in my system and kind of riding out that high for the night instead of trying to get the 10 down within range quite quickly and then running the risk of combining that insulin correction dose with the alcohol and then plummeting. So it would probably depend on how high Janine is and how comfortable she is being high through the night. Obviously, I always preach prioritize your overnights, but if it's a a once-off every here and there where you're drinking, it's almost the other way around of just making sure you stay above a low blood sugar, basically. Owen, what about the second part about eating and drinking during the day? And... She's asking, should she full bolus for the meal or maybe only half? Do you have to approach day drinking and including a meal differently to going out just drinking at nighttime? Yeah, it's going to be different if you're having food and insulin rather than just alcohol. Because obviously the food is going to be inclined to spike your bloods. The insulin is going to be inclined. Well, its job is to bring it back down. So 
with day drinking and eating at the same time, I would always, now this is me personally, I can't give Janine advice in terms of what insulin to take, but just from my own perspective, if I'm eating and drinking during the day, I will always full bolus for my food because from my experience, the food that I have still has the same impact on my blood sugar. My blood sugar won't start to drop from the alcohol until much, much later into the night. So if I'm eating at like 2 p.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m., whatever it might be with day drinking, I'm treating that meal the same as if I wasn't drinking. So I'm trying to carb count. I'm working out the insulin I need, and then I'm taking my pre-bolus if possible. So I wouldn't necessarily change my treatment of the food if I'm drinking during the day. Now, if I'm drinking at night and I'm eating at night and I'm going to be going to bed soon, I might be a bit more cautious then of the insulin that I'm taking. Just because similar to the points I was making just a couple of minutes ago of trying to avoid a low blood sugar at all costs anyway, but particularly if you've alcohol in your system because it can it can drop even faster. But another thing that I want to point out is a lot of the time when we're drinking, we're also eating. And sometimes, well, a lot of the time when we are drinking, we're not going to manage our bloods as well as we would if we weren't drinking. So we might not be taking the right amount of insulin. We might not be pre-bolusing. We might be eating different types of food. Let's say you're at a, a friend's party. There's going to be different type of food there that like probably crisps, sweets, chocolate, these kind of things. Inevitably, they're going to have a different impact on your blood sugar than if your normal routine is eating protein, eating a lot of fruit and vegetables or whatever it might be during the day. So it's important for anybody to be able to identify whether or not it's the food that they're eating at the same time affecting their blood sugar rather than just the drink. So to give you an example, if I go to a friend's place and I'm drinking beers and I'm eating loads of different food. Obviously, the beers are going to have an impact on my bloods. The food is going to have an impact on my bloods. But because I'm out at a social event, I'm probably not looking after my bloods as much as I normally do. I'm just thinking in my head when you're doing that, you're just running little calculations in your head as the night goes on. You know, like that, <laughs> yeah. that hangover meme when Zach Galifianakis has got the, the maths equations going on instead of that's, his head. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm just imagining you going around a party, trying to act all cool and social, but deep down it's all like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I had a chicken like, dipper there and I had a slice yeah. of pizza, but doo, 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 that means I need this much insulin. But now we're going to have a beer, it's going to counteract that. Though. Exactly. It's just add, subtract. Yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. It's like the human calculator. But if if I'm eating these different types of food and drinking at the same time, it's easy for me to think that, oh, that's the alcohol. That's the alcohol effect my blood sugar. That's the alcohol spiking me. That's the alcohol dropping me. But in reality, it could be the fact that you're eating these types of food. You're taking too much or too little insulin causing spikes or drops. And it all kind of gets mixed up in this, like you were saying, like, like uh, that big equation of mm. insulin, food, drink, excitement at a party, whatever it might be. But, and, and I suppose the point I'm trying to make is if you do lose confidence with drinking or if you're unsure about how to treat your nights out or parties or these kind of things, it's always going to be trial and error, of course, like most things with diabetes, but so much of it 
with drinking specifically is your ability to identify if it's actually the alcohol causing the effects. So if you're to start drinking at 6 p.m. and stop drinking at 12 a.m. and you haven't had any food, you can be pretty confident that what happens to your bloods over that six-hour period is caused by the alcohol. Whereas if in that six-hour period you're drinking and also you're eating a McDonald's or a Taco Bell or a pizza or whatever it might be, it gets mixed up. So to gain confidence with drinking alcohol, it's about making good decisions around the drink that you're making or drinking, as in not too sugary drinks, maybe not too many cocktails or beers. They can have different effects. But also just really being in tune with how each thing is affecting your blood sugar. What are the patterns over each night or even hour of the night? Like I've had countless nights where I've had highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. And it's just trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Because you know as much as I do, Graham, over the nights out over the years, my bloods have obviously been high and been low. But trying to make good decisions around what you're drinking and what you're eating is a very big part of it. If you found any of that, I was going to say, want for better word, interesting. Of course, it was interesting. But if you liked that and you haven't <laughs> listened to the episode on alcohol and diabetes, it is a must listen. It is episode number 17. And hey, that's over a year ago now at this stage. So maybe you want a little bit of a refresher. Why not go back and listen to episode 17? And Janine, thank you so much for that email. I hope um, some of that was really helpful towards you because um, don't like to see someone lose their confidence on a night out. As mm. Owen always says, don't let diabetes stop you doing what you want to do. And if you want to go out and have a good time, then please yeah. do. Thank you, Janine. Thanks for reaching out. And I suppose because I can't say to you, take your full bolus or take your half bolus because it's not my place to do that. I'm not your diabetic team or part of it, but try and even test it out with a couple similar days. As in, if you like to go out with your friends and socialize, try and keep them quite similar for even two or three times so you can see what happens with your bloods. Because when we do something, even if it's high or low bloods, we can always take something from it. We can always learn something from that night out. So be easy on yourself with it because it can be difficult and the confidence with it will come back in time. Okay, let's move on to the next email. And I had a read of this yesterday when I was looking through our Gmail account and this one just stood out. And I was like, this is an incredible email and I'd love to put it to you, Owen, to get your view on this. And it's entitled, Question About Coming Back Into Pre-COVID Life Slash Routines. And this is from Christine Williams. So Christine says... I know that name. I think she's emailed before Owen, once or <laughs> twice, yeah. once or twice. Yeah, that's Christine, who I've been working with for ages. And she told me she was going to email in. So this is obviously the when this must have been a while ago. Uh, it? It's a couple of weeks yeah. ago, I think, as she referenced. She told me she was emailing in. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Christine. <laughs> Christine says, hello, Owen and Graham. I was inspired by a question that a man named John asked on your 62nd podcast. He was an athlete who ran long runs at night and saw lows in his blood sugar. 
I'm a dancer who, before COVID, used to dance regularly at night, and sometimes I performed at hours between midnight and 2 a.m. This was before I found Owen and the Insel Owen podcast. Over the past two years, since dancing hasn't been possible, I've come to embrace an early bird lifestyle and completely change my routine, and I've seen a major improvement in my blood sugar. As we begin to go back to normal life, in inverted commas, I've started training again intensively at night, on Zoom, and masked in person with the dance team. Like John, during nights that I train, I struggle with lows. On weeks that I don't train, I go to bed early and follow an Owen sort of schedule. In a way, (laughs) I'm caught between two worlds and not sure how to balance them. I'm also quite a big bag of nerves, and I've always seen a massive blood sugar spike when performing. I used to perform once every month and just rolled with the terrible blood sugar numbers during performance weeks. I'm considering entering the performance arena again, but I'm nervous. Even thinking about performing actually spikes my blood sugar. I've asked my dance director if it's possible to keep training with my team without performing, and he said, I can't possibly imagine why anyone would not want to perform unless they have no confidence in themselves. Clearly, we need Owen and Graham to educate him about stress and type 1 diabetes. Well, anyway, that's a very helpful statement for the <laughs> director to make. Wow, thanks a lot. Don't mind him, Christine. He's an idiot. <laughs> anyway, all of this leads up to my question, which is, what do you advise for someone who is a nervous Nelly with an insane exercise schedule trying to return to a pre-COVID routine? I know Owen advises not letting diabetes get in the way of things you love, but the sort of schedule that I used to love is very extreme. I can't decide whether it's time to reevaluate my priorities as a dancer on a very philosophical level, i.e. stop performing, or plunge forth and see what happens. Thank you and appreciate you both very much. That is from Christine. Wow. I told you that was a good one. What an email. What a woman. I love Christine. She's great. I don't even know what subject that lies in. I, I, well, I suppose, as she said herself, this is more of a philosophical question, but there are yeah. diabetes roots running through it. So, mm. Owen, what do you make of that? Yeah, there's definitely a lot in that. And first of all, thank you, Christine. Thank you for the email. And thank you for all the work that you've done over the past how many months we've worked together. She's done so much. So it's, it's amazing to see and has significantly dropped her A1C. Um, so she's just an amazing person. So thank you, Christine. But as you say, it's kind of a mix of a philosophical question and a diabetes question. And I suppose with that one, it's it's more so on deciding what she wants to do, what Christine wants to do. Because if she's still slightly unsure of does she want to perform or does she not want to perform, you can't yet manage your diabetes around it because she's still kind of undecided of what she wants to do. So when I say that being diabetic or having diabetes shouldn't stop you from doing anything, of course it shouldn't. But having diabetes obviously makes things a lot more difficult. And this is a perfect example of it. If Christine is quite nervous, when she's performing, her blood sugar's skyrocketing. Now, because her blood sugar skyrockets, doesn't mean that she has to quit because of her diabetes. It just means that we need to come up with a different strategy to combat those spikes. So if somebody is nervous or anxious or 
kind of has like that adrenaline rush for say an interview or a performance or a talk or a podcast, whatever it might be, you're going to see your blood sugar spike. And it's just about coming up with the formulas to counteract that. So if Christine loves dancing, which I know she does, she sends me videos of these, these dance classes that she does, which are cool. Probably more difficult than any of the workouts that I give her. <laughs> but, um, she should be sending you the dance routine workouts. Yeah, exactly. 100%. <laughs> so I know that she loves dancing. So giving up dancing full stop obviously isn't an option. And she said that herself. But performing is obviously what's in question. So it's important for her to decide if she wants to perform or not. And it seems as if what's stopping her perform is the nerves. And we've spoken about stuff like that on this podcast before, Graham, related to even like stress or being anxious about something. And I can't remember who who the quote was from, but it was like, feel the fear and do it anyway, Mm. which I think is class because if you're stressed or nervous or anxious about something, what's the thing you say, Graham? If you're anxious or nervous about something, it proves that you're making progress. Yeah, you're not moving forward unless you are feeling those nerves or getting a little bit stressed or anxious. It's a good sign because it shows you're actually doing the right thing. Exactly. And those feelings of nerves, it's almost like a a safety mechanism because your body's kind of making you feel this way to protect you from doing something you don't necessarily want to. So you're stressed and you're nervous and you're anxious. And it's like, you don't do that. You don't want to do that. But feel the fear and do it anyway, which I love, which I think is class. And I even relate that back to when I started the podcast, when you basically came up with the idea for the podcast, I was terrified of doing this, but I was like, Oh, I know something will, something good will come from it. And the messages that we get from people and the emails that we get proves that something good has come and is coming from it. But if Christine wants to perform, she knows deep down that she wants to perform it's making that decision, first of all, which is the most important. Because then after that, you can take it a couple steps back and analyze it from, okay, I'll feel nervous at this point. This week, I'll be stressed. This is what I'll see with my bloods. I'm expecting my blood sugar to spike. So when you can see those patterns based on what you're doing and what you're expecting, so if she knows that, right, I'm going to be performing this week, my blood sugars are going to spike. You know that from your own experience. So then you can do something to counteract it, whether it be adjust the food that you're having at certain times, maybe increase your basal insulin for the week because it can act as an anchor to pull you down. Pre-bolus for the dance performance, all these different options that you can use to make you more confident with the performance and your diabetes. Because... Yes, diabetes shouldn't stop you from doing something, but it makes it more difficult. So if it makes it more difficult, it's just about trying to simplify how to manage around the, let's say, performance that you want to do. Mm. Think about that feeling after your performance. Think about the high that you get and it's totally worth it. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of dancing Christine does. Is it group dancing? Would she be in a group or would she be singular? She does like different, different types of dancing. Well, I'm in my head, I'm seeing group and just that kind of the feeling of the bond of your team together once you like nail a routine and a performance. 
like that outweighs all the stress beforehand 100% because I know when I have something on in work that I'm getting anxious and nervous about and it's like stress 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 but then when it happens and it goes well just the relief and the elation of like ah what was I so stressed about <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy now I'm so happy I did it so um so just hopefully it's the same for Christine once the performance is over she gets the reward for all the stress of just pure elation and joy yeah absolutely and that feeling afterwards is worth all the stress before it yeah and it was it was you again that said it to me of like just embracing that feeling and knowing that feeling is coming from a place where you're making progress with something you're doing something that makes you nervous so therefore it's a good thing well vast vast majority of the time it's a good thing but if you're nervous about a presentation or you're nervous about a dance or you're nervous about a talk or an interview or a first date whatever it might be it proves that you're kind of stepping out of your comfort zone, which is always going to be a good thing. And as you do more things that make you kind of feel uncomfortable like that, the more comfortable you get with that feeling because you know that, right, I felt that the last time. It's not exactly a pleasant feeling, but as you say, Graham, after the feeling, it's this like, it's it's almost like this natural high of, oh, I did it. I did it. Unreal. And then you want to do another one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hopefully, we've uh, come across like philosophers here. <laughs> yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking a new, a new uh, philosophy podcast. <laughs> There's probably uh, somebody listening, listening to this, being like, "What are these lads talking about? Are they all right? They sure. <laughs> Stick to diabetes." <laughs> Christine, thank you so much again, as always, and do let us know. I'm sure she will. Yeah, she will. Definitely. <laughs> she will. Do let us know if you do decide to go back and perform and how you got on and how the bloods reacted to all the, the week leading up to it and then afterwards. Um, and if you do, if you are listening and you have any questions or stories you would like to share or experiences, like the last two, there have been fantastic emails, both Janine and Christine, and really relatable as well to, I'm sure, you listening Graham, no, that's that's a different show. The Insulone <laughs> Podcast. That's your other podcast. <laughs> the Insulone Podcast at gmail.com. Actually, you can send it to my other podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different tone on that podcast. Yeah. But the Insulone Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to look at the spelling, it's going to be in the bio of this episode, wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Absolutely. And to everybody who emails in, we appreciate it. We have a lot of emails coming in. So that's why we don't get all of them covered. But that's why we love doing the episodes specifically for these emails. But a couple of them are longer than others. So obviously they take up more time. But the more questions we get, the better. The more stories we get, the better. We love hearing them. And I'm sure you do too. Because when you hear other people email in, it's like, oh, I'm not the only person that lives with type 1 diabetes out there. There's loads of people that have to deal with this stuff each day. So it's uh, it's not helping just you. It can potentially help someone else too. So get in touch. As always, appreciate your time. I know your time is a valuable asset. And it's like this hour or 40 minutes or 45 minutes of the, the podcast is like me, Graham and you all together, mm. talking together. And next time I'm on... I don't know when it will be, maybe two or three weeks time. I'm going to have schmoozed my boss. 
and I'll let you know how we get on. 100%. Maybe he's like really offended and sacks me. Imagine. <laughs> Hopefully. If you see seven in Sloan podcasts a week out, know that I've lost my yeah, exactly. other job. <laughs> we're doing Brian quit podcast. his job. Full-time podcast. <laughs> making no money. <laughs> no, I've got, I'm on to Taco Bell afterwards. <laughs> I've got a meeting with them for sponsorship. Exactly. <laughs> they should sort us out. <laughs> right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Have a good day. Be easy on yourself. Take care. Chat to you soon.